Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. The show contains objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. What? 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 You want my comments? What? 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 Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another round of the Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. This is our second weekly SmackDown episode, where we discuss five storylines going on in the ring, two backstage stories, and we discuss our heels of the week as each host chooses their heel of the week. But before we get started, guys, remember to follow PWN Newsroom for the latest in pro wrestling news, whether it's WWE, NXT, AEW, and JPW, doesn't matter. It will be on there, even something there for you Impact Wrestling fans. I wish I got that channel. Otherwise, I'd watch Impact as well. But if also, if you want to check out 503 Sports to get your old school XFL, XFL gear on, make sure to go check them out. Go support them. And if you want to support us on YouTube, Go look us up as the Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. We'll be right there. we got some videos up there right now that have been coming out all this week. And if you want to support us on Anchor, if you want to listen to us in a podcast form, you got to go to Anchor. If you got a couple of bucks to spare, feel free to throw us a few bucks on there. We'd really appreciate it. And all that money would go directly into the show for better production. But anyway, enough of the shilling. Let's get into the show. And this week began with the new day. Yes, they did, but we're not necessarily talking about the New Day right now. We are talking about the Forgotten Sons, as they made a statement using the New Day. The Forgotten Sons were recently called up from NXT, and they've been putting on a clinic lately. The first match that they had, they knocked it right out of the park, going up against Lucha Underground. I didn't actually think that it was going to be that big of a match, because I figured, oh, they're going up against the Lucha House Party. Wow, gee, I wonder who's going to win this. And, well, even though they did, yes, beat Lucha House Party, they put on a pretty damn good match. It was going back and forth. Their, the Forgotten Sons' stiffness mixed with Lucha House Party's athleticism made for a pretty good introduction from the main roster WWE perspective. And they made Lucha look good, even in a loss. And this week, the New Day came out to praise themselves again. And how can one blame them? After all, they are the new tag team champions. But the Miz, Morrison, Lucha, and the Forgotten Sons all came out to uh, <clears throat> have a meeting, I guess. And all of a sudden, just put a total beat down on the New Day and Lucha House Party. Meanwhile, Eminem, Miz, and Morrison just ran away. And they definitely made a statement, and they could be contending for the tag team titles fairly soon. Maybe a money in the bank? I'm not sure. But all I know right now is that the Forgotten Sons are a badass stiff squad that could be getting that shot, and we'll see if they're truly deserving. But I like the cut of their jib, and maybe this is what AOP was supposed to be. No disrespect to them, but I'm digging what the Forgotten Sons are doing right now, even though I don't really have that much... Uh, repertoire with them you know i don't really have too much of a connection i've seen them a few times on nxt but you guys know this i don't watch a whole lot outside of raw and smackdown i only have so much time james how you feeling about the forgotten sons man uh the forgotten sons are you know are a tag team out of nxt that are making their and you could say they're boisterous slash powerful-ish type of approach into the business and sometimes for you to get recognized in the WWE, you have to go after the 
guy on top or the team on top. There is a phrase in you know academia: uh, if you're going to aim for the king, you better not miss. And mm-hmm. I do believe that they went after the new day for a reason. Do I think that they will have a chance for a title? Probably. Is it uh, money in the bank? Doubtful. Um, but it just started to spice up the whole tag team division in SmackDown. And usually, you got to look at the tag teams in SmackDown right now. Um, they are the older superstars on the roster on SmackDown, the Usos, the New Day, and Miz and Morrison. I believe Miz and Morrison are going to be uh, starting to have their own type of uh, storyline here pretty soon. But the, for the way to get into the, you know, the limelight of the WWE, Sometimes you have to go strike the guys on top, and that and they did that. And so, I don't watch NXT like what you mentioned. I'm more of AEW, but apparently these guys were a stable in the NXT and were kind of a pain to deal with. So hopefully, if they bring that to the uh, SmackDown brand, they will it'll help them and benefit them. So let's just only could- wait and see. And it can only help benefit the tag team division in general because it's been needing that shot in the arm. And these guys could be it. For sure. And with that said, let's move on to the next story. Sasha and Bailey are definitely full steam ahead in this inevitable breakup. I think that Sasha and Lacey Evans had a great match this week. It was fast-paced, exciting. Even had a little bit of color to it after Lacey Evans got her mouth busted with all that blood coming out. I was wondering maybe if she had chipped a tooth or something. But it showed a lot of grit and tenacity on her part to keep rolling and acting like nothing happened. Really enjoyed the match. Her and Sasha definitely have chemistry. I like where the storyline is going. And it really complements the storyline of Sasha and Bailey's inevitable implosion. At one point during this match, uh, Bailey was trying to help out Sasha. Uh, she succeeded one time by getting her foot on the rope during a pin. But after that, she distracted the ever-living hell out of the ref, and it cost Sasha the victory because, as Corey Graves had counted, she pretty much had a five-count pin. But the referee's back was turned. By the time he got there, Lacey had already rolled out. And not long after that, Lacey lands the women's right. And Sasha is pissed. She is bitter. And they're walking up the ramp. Guess who comes out? Tamina kicks the crap out of Bailey. Essentially knocks her out. But what does Sasha do? She doesn't really react. She kind of looks at Tamina to give her a look saying, Hey, uh, I'm not going to mess with you. And Tamina is giving her a look like, Now you're going to see who your real friends are. You're not doing anything right now. Hmm, maybe there are cracks in this supposed super duo. I like where it's going. I'm definitely enjoying this. I know that we've seen this before, in a sense, when these two were baby faces, uh, Bailey and Sasha, and the breakup never happened. But I'm really liking where this is going right now, as they're both heels, because I think that just right away adds more layers to where the story could go. But James, I gotta know what you think, because definitely you haven't been the fan of this of this sort of will they won't they storyline, which admittedly they have done before. Well, yeah, they have done before, and also it's something. It's here we go again. You could say, um, are they finally going to finally go through the breakup that we've been looking for for the last two years? Um, but. What, it, in my opinion, what separates this from the other two uh, t- potential breakups 
is that now there's actually a stabled force in between them two. Um, it's uh, Lacey Evans and Tamia. And if you watch SmackDown, when the match was over, Sasha and Bailey were going back up the ramp. Tamia, you know, music kick came out and super kicked Bailey. And Sasha just stood there and did absolutely nothing. Just stared at Tamia and going, Mom, you got it. I ain't, I'm doing it. Um, that told me, or that showed me that there is a crack of the armor. And that is the, is it potentially the start of the breakup? No, it shows to me that if there is going to be an actual breakup, that means one of the stars is going to go complete babyface. And I think this time it's going to be Sasha. And we see how Bailey's character has gone over the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months. And it's just time for Sasha, I think, to be by herself again. She's not the boss unless she's by herself. And I believe that the Tamiya super kick um, Bailey really uh, showed signs that that is going to be the next steps of the storyline. And then when these two finally do break up, I think it should be a, a holiday for WWE fans. For the uh, officially, the breakup is done between Bailey and Sasha. And I think that it's going to serve Sasha very well. She's definitely going to be the big winner of this. Bailey, I think, is she's set. Even if she loses the title, she's so over now that it she's going to be fine, win or lose. And I enjoy the hell out of her character now. I've never liked Bailey more than I do now. Sasha is definitely the one that's going to get the biggest rub because probably she's going to take the title from Bailey and she'll turn babyface in the way that she should have from the beginning from a heel perspective because when she came in when they called her up the boss it's boss time you know they they gave her such a babyface push but that really wasn't her if you go back to NXT she definitely was a uh Let's say, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the nicest person. <laughs> she definitely would go out of her way to beat the hell out of people. Just look back at the old Bailey and Sasha Banks uh, rivalry. There it is right there. That's what it should have been. When she got called up, she should have been a heel. But instead, they were pushing her like a good guy. And it never felt quite right to me. So now they have a chance to make up for that. Now that she has been healed for so long to turn her face and take the title and stand up for herself against Bailey. Is gonna make it such is gonna make for such a much better transition and better storytelling. And Tamina, if she beats Bailey for the title, that would tell me that they're probably not gonna be breaking up Bailey and Sasha just yet. Because there would be something missing there. But we're gonna see what happens. Next week, definitely psyched to see what they do. But just in case you didn't know. We're going to be doing some live streams on the Money in the Bank Sunday pay-per-view. That's a couple of weeks from now. If you want to come join us, please feel free. We would love to have you there. And if you want to ask us any questions, you know, how do we do the show where we come up with our ideas, obviously feel free to ask that. But if you join us, that would be great. And we'd really look forward to it. James, you want to add anything to this little promo here? It's just this is just basically us to have a chance to have an outreach to a future audience of wrestling fans who you know want to see just average guys and average dudes, people just enjoying the event itself without being paid subscriptions to other websites. So 
Yes, we will have live streams. We're not going to be showing the actual stream. You might even not even hear it on the stream because we don't want to be flagged for copyright. But this is more of you guys come join us, uh, shoot the shit, have some fun, and watch uh, Money in the Bank. Yeah, we definitely aren't Dave Meltzer, but we also won't charge you money like Dave Meltzer. <laughs> so anyway, after that terrible joke I just threw in there, are Ms. Morrison being pushed? Being pushed? <laughs> clearly not. Are Ms. Morrison being punished by WWE or the Lucha House Party moving up? You remember, guys, it wasn't that long before WrestleMania, before the road to WrestleMania, that Roman Reigns was set up to go up against Goldberg for the WWE World Title, and we all know that didn't exactly happen. Allegedly, this is because the Miz had shown up to the WWE Performance Center after this whole Rona thing was going on, and he was actually under the weather. He was not positive for the Rona, but this freaked out Roman because uh, he was like, yo, man, I've had leukemia twice before. My immune system's not the best. If people are coming in and they're feeling sick, that's not good for me. So I got to get the hell out of here. And you really cannot blame the man. He's got to take care of himself. And he's got to be able to protect his family. What if he goes home and he's got something? He can pass it on to them. Basically, the man's playing it safe, and I think that he made the right decision. Unfortunately, you know, WWE probably didn't appreciate that The Miz allegedly did this. So, one could argue that these matches that they've been losing, Eminem, Miz Morrison, that they've been losing, could possibly be punishment for how things went down. But, on the other hand, playing devil's advocate here, you could say that that's not the case, that they're just trying to break these guys up. Because losing the Lucha House Party, really? I mean, did anybody see this happening months ago? I definitely wouldn't have put money on that. That's why I was so surprised that they, the Lucha House Party walked away with the win this week. And they are quite deserving. I'm very happy for them because that's a big win, a big notch under their belts. So hopefully they are moving up. But, back to whether or not these guys are being punished. Would it really make sense for them to win at WrestleMania, continue to hold on to titles, win the next night on SmackDown, and still hold on to the titles, but then all of a sudden they start losing it? Do you think there's some kind of conspiracy going on here, James? Or do you think it's just a natural progression of the storyline? I think it's more of a natural progression of the storyline because um, you can tie both sides of each story if you want to, about if it's a, it's a kayfabe or is there some actual substance back there that is related to this whole thing. Um, but I do believe, honestly, that there could be some influence in that decision because of Miz coming in under the weather, so on. But honestly, it's you got to look at Morrison's age. Morrison's getting up there in age. His contract, I think it's a only two-year deal, I think. And he is in his prime of his career. And I think Morrison will be the next, you know, Drew McIntyre. He's going to get pushed here pretty soon for WrestleMania of next year or the year after that. And to be the WWE champion. And you have to start finding ways to start doing that. And what a better way to have a feud with the person that you're very familiar with. Just not this time around, but also the last time you were in the WWE. And that's the Miz. And yes, no matter what, if the Miz brought something over, he might have, might not. Um, but usually, sometimes when you have, in the, you know, during this coronavirus, cases that pop up and information well, that remember, you might look, 
Remember, don't say the uh, the full uh, R Ona name. We don't want to oh. get hit by YouTube. <laughs> oh, really? We can't say that. But yeah, Rona. man. Yeah, you gotta say Rona. They flag you, man. I kid you not, people. Look it up. If you didn't know, they will demonetize you if you bring up the big C. Wow, that's <laughs> that's sad, really. Um, but yeah, I don't think I think this is more of a going through the storyline than actual Rona influence. And for the Lucha House Party moving up, hey, small win sometimes. No, no pun intended about Lucha House Party. Um, but because they, they are incredibly talented, they they got yeah. a lot of great moves. Yeah, Grand Metalik is fantastic. I saw the meme the other day. It said the uh, the Lucha House Party. The most botched elimination chamber ever, um, and I looked at, I watched the old pay per view, and they're basically right. That was a lot. It's pretty botched, but yes, they have a lot of talent, and they are very, very, very athletic, very entertaining. And I just see, you know, they're not going to get the push as big as maybe the uh, the Forgotten Sons or any other tag team, but. They were entertaining, and they got a shocking win. So this is more of, I think, the start of the breakup between Miz and Morrison. Anyway, so we got another tag team that I think is legitimately moving up. It is not due to circumstances. And I think that's Carmella and the love of my life, Dana Brooke. You wish. Man can dream, can he? Yeah, you know it's been a very long time since Carmella was involved in any kind of real compelling storyline, and it's been way longer for Dana Brooke going back to Charlotte's debut, which feels like yesterday, but in wrestling years is quite a long time ago, where Dana was planted as the kind of supposed Nikki Cross to Charlotte's Alexa Bliss, but alas. This was not meant to be, as Dana was far too green at the time to keep up with the Queen. And this eventually led to her, I guess you could say, demotion. No disrespect to managers. Her demotion to being a statistician for Titus Worldwide. And she was fun. I thought she was good at it. But you could tell that her heart wasn't quite in it. She wanted to get back to wrestling. And she had to work all the way. She had to work her way back all the way from scratch. And now, finally, after a lot of toil and trouble and putting other people over, Dana is getting her shot as she won her Money in the Bank opportunity match last week. And now, the next week with Carmella, she's getting a shot at the tag team titles. Even though she and Carmella did not win, it's still always a very good rub to go up against the champions and... That's just, and, you know, for, for the title, not just going up against them, but going up against them for the titles. And Carmella herself has had her highest of highs in WWE when she won the original women's Money in the Bank match, kind of, thanks to a little help, and uh, won the WWE women's title. She became a major main event star. Unfortunately, though, things kind of quieted down due to her many injuries. And this past year, you you could say it was kind of a lost year for her. She was pretty much MIA. But now, times are changing. WWE decided to see what they could do up against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, who are two of the best female wrestlers in the company, and they did damn well against them. I think the match was a bit too short. It felt like it was only five minutes long, but it did its job. It always helps to have legitimacy added to you when you go 
up for the tag team titles. And I think the big things are definitely on the way for Carmella and Dana, and I'm looking forward to see what happens. Well, you're excited because of Dana Brooke. Sure. Might be, might be getting the push. And Carmella's been to the top of the mountain slash the top of the ladder for the money in the bank. Um, and it's nice that last week we saw Dana Brooke beat uh, Naomi for a match. Carmelo, uh, Carmelo, huh? Yeah, yeah, the NBA player. Our Carmelo <laughs> is going to be in a, uh, a qualification match next week. So if if she wins next week, I think there might be a sign of a push between Dana Brooke and Carmelo. Um, but even though they lost the match against you know Alexa Bliss and uh, Nikki Cross, it was a very entertaining match. And like I've stated previously on a past recording that will never be aired. Previously uh, on the last episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> usually when you're a, a statistician or a manager in the WWE, that means your in-ring skills still need a lot of work, but your presentation of the character may not need a lot of work. And Dana Brooke was that when she was part of um, the primetime players. No, ties uh, were you were close um, on that first. Good, yeah. good save. <laughs> um, she was a manager there, and if you watch a lot of her early stuff in her career, she was a little sloppy, like everyone is. But besides from releasing her from her contract, they gave her a manager position with Titus and Apollo Cruz, and it worked out. Now that she's an individual star and getting more, you know, reps in the ring, she is more. She's more defined than she was two years ago or three years ago. So, yes, they might get be giving her a push in this. They also might be giving Carmella a push in this, and they might be giving us a tease of Carmella and Brooke and the uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross matchup again at a maybe a pay-per-view in the next month or so. But so far, my attitude on Dana Brooke has changed over the last couple of weeks because now I have – I've, I've actually seen more improvement of her wrestling style over the last couple of weeks. That makes me believe that Vince McMahon is starting to see something in her or is just thinking that this is a potential of being that good, uh, good, good storyline of, you know, defining the odds and pushing for you what you want. So yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. Just don't mess it up. Yeah, I think that the worst way that they could probably mess it up is if uh, Carmella makes it in there. They're working together, and then all of a sudden there's tension between them. They get pissed at each other, and then they break up right then and there, and you're like, well, then what the hell was the point of putting Carmella and her together in the first place? Like, if you're going to have people do that, you got to buy your time, you know? you gotta you got to let it simmer like you're cooking some chili. You're not just going to eat, like, chili after you cook it for 20 minutes. You want to cook that thing for hours at least before you jump in there, throw a little beer in there, let it all simmer. They got to take their time with this. I would like to see them team up against people at the Money in the Bank ladder match, but not be mad at each other when one or the other eliminates, you know, if they happen to eliminate each other in some, in some way. But let's just move on to probably, uh, unfortunately, the rather weaker part of the evening. And, uh, Probably going to be people that disagree with me, but I thought that this was rather clunky. And I don't want to crap on it because I respect the hell out of Triple H. But the Triple H 25th anniversary celebration really fell flat for me. I don't know what can be said about this so-called celebration other than odd. 
To start off, who the hell was the guy that ran off with the bottle of water? They clearly wasn't rehearsed because you never see things like that. That's it's incredibly rare. But under the circumstances with Rona, I guess they probably had to take away the bottle of water because. You really don't want Triple H spitting water everywhere, and maybe maybe somebody gets sick. Highly doubt it, though. I really doubt Triple H has the Rona. But it was just funny to just to see Triple H's face, like, "What the? Who the hell are you?" Oh, I'm talking to you after the show, man. Nobody takes my water bottles. But it started to go downhill real quick for me because it seemed like for about 20 seconds, Triple H was going to say something poignant about his career. I really wanted to know what he had to say, and then HBK came out. And at first, I was like, oh, it's HBK, yay. But it I don't know what it was. Their chemistry just wasn't all that great. Um, all the uh, the highlights of Triple H losing at WrestleMania and the bloopers and the phone calls really came off more as unfunny as they were intended to be, especially with Stephanie McMahon. The bit was almost saved when Vinnie Mac came out, and I was shocked when he brought up Katie Vick of all storylines. Because I always thought they were trying to bury the hell out of it, which they were. But I guess he just thought, well, screw it. Let's embrace it, you know, 14, 15 years later. <laughs> Better late than never. And this whole thing just ends with the lights being shut off by Vince McMahon. Like he's leaving the house and everybody's still at the party, but he's turning off all the lights. It just it was very clunky to me. But to give this little bit of credit, besides the water bottle bit, which I thought was the highlight of it all, with seeing Ric Flair, he's getting all emotional. And, you know, James, you pointed out, he, like, hung up the phone, tried to call back, Triple H ignored him. I don't know. It was, that was kind of funny. But still, yeah. Oh, yeah, and also Triple H being scared by the butterfly at the blooper reel. That was all right. I enjoyed that. But flat. Didn't like the ending to this. Didn't ruin the show, though, for me. What was your opinion, my man? Uh, my opinion is, was this whole thing planned before everything happened? And also, Ric Flair saved this segment due to the phone call, then Triple H hanging up on him, then did Ric Flair call him again, then proceed to cry his ball, uh, balls. Eyes out. There were some interesting celebrations in this. The, the the guy still in Triple H's water was classic. You're not going to spray the Rona in here, boy. Um, the Nature Boy. Uh, I got the road dog part, but one the thing that didn't that turned me off a lot about this little celebration thing for Triple H was Stephanie McMahon's segment with HBK uh, just acting like a complete idiot in the background. Uh, that could have been done way better. But a nice fitting to the whole thing was uh, Vince McMahon at the end coming out and saying his few words to his son-in-law, and he actually publicly says, I love you, which I don't think he publicly said, I love you to Shane, unless it was on one of the WWE original series or programs that you can get on the network. Uh, but it's been, it was, it's not what you like to call the, you know, the Dwayne Johnson's birthday celebration or Ric Flair's celebration from five years ago. The Rock, This Is Your Life. No, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's not going to equal that. It was nice for what they can do for the limited people that are in the facility because Shawn Michaels and Triple H are big, 
big components of NXT. So if Triple H is in the building, Sean's not that far behind. So I got that, you know, you know, I get that in the celebration thing. But one thing you can rule out with this is any potential of a match between Triple H and Shawn Michaels coming up. I just think this was a, a fitting celebration for Triple H with the limited resources that were used. And it was also kind of nice that the Vince McMahon was doing the old guy in the front yard to get off my lawn type of situation while turning off everything in the arena while both HBK and Triple H were still in the ring. So there were some good things about it, and there were also some things you're like, eh, you shouldn't put that in there. But I enjoyed it. It's Triple H. When he's when he's being himself, he's cool. He wasn't a boss man last night. He was being himself. So that was a plus for me. Well, that is some, there is something to be said for that. Is he he kind of was being himself and that he could make fun of himself. I can appreciate that. I just didn't think it really flowed very well. But it is what it is. It's not like it's going to... It's not like it's going to be a stain on his career or anything. This will probably be forgotten within a few weeks. So, yeah, whatever. But let's move on, though, to uh, some backstage stories. As always, we got two for you. But this one, we're going to be cheating a little bit because it's not really a SmackDown backstage story. And really, not all of them have to be. But we definitely would be remiss if we didn't include this and... This might be a little uncomfortable here, but um, Velveteen Dream is looking at some felony charges. He, he might be. It was reported on Friday, April the 24th, the Velveteen Dream, a.k.a. Patrick Clark Jr., had sent some, uh, let's say, clearly inappropriate pictures to a 17-year-old and her 15-year-old friends, allegedly. The story got picked up after someone had posted it to Reddit, and... Somehow, some way, somebody was going through all that stuff on Reddit because Reddit is one complicated place. And they, the media picked it up, and now it's a wildfire. Clark has responded to these claims, denying them vehemently, claiming that the pictures were sent out without his knowledge or consent. God, I hope so. Wish they hadn't gotten out, period, if it's true. But, and I made no pun right here, or maybe I do a little bit just to put a little humor into this. But could this be the end of VD in NXT? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think that unless they can 100% prove, I don't bet you that they could, that these photos came directly from Patrick if they prove it. Like, they, they, got, they got to get that evidence because I don't think there's much traction to this given how many wrestlers over recent years have been hacked all the time. And it's not just the female wrestlers from Alexa Bliss to Charlotte Flair. The guys have been hacked, too. And it is possible that somebody did that to him and then sent it out. Maybe uh, somebody was disgruntled, had a problem with them. It does happen. Maybe they released it, and now we are in the situation that we're in. But if he did, if he knowingly, consciously did this stuff, oh, he's gone. And worse than that, he'll probably go to prison. But time will tell what happens in this super uncomfortable situation. But I do believe that the man deserves a chance to prove his innocence before he's judged. I don't know if you take him off TV, how they're going to work that out. Because most of their stuff is already pre-taped. Are they going to edit around it? If they do that, is that going to screw up other storylines? I don't know. 
But I would say before everybody jumps on, because we know the internet is a very understanding and forgiving place, um, please, people, just wait. Let's wait for some more facts and see what happens. And when we cross that bridge, we will cross it. Any thoughts on that, James? Ah, uh, that silence. Let's be hanging there. Well, I, I was trying to like. This is a touchy subject. Very much so. It's you want to defend Valentine, and also you want to get more information into what is actually going on. But it's also a slippery slope. Was this a hacked operation, or is he actually doing this? Does the WWE know he's doing this? Is are they making plans to adjust to it? It's just that we've seen throughout sports and throughout sporting history that players who get in this type of situation or like similar things like this, they end up you know disappearing through the limelight, or they end up getting arrested and end up being headline news for weeks to come. Um, Valentine Dream is an up-and-coming superstar in the WWE. Crap, he's maybe the star in the NXT. And I know you're not, you're not, you don't want to talk about ratings here. Uh, he is really helping NXT to stay in the ratings battle with uh, AEW on Wednesday night. And unfortunately, with this, you know, sending of inappropriate pictures to a 17-year-old, it's uh, if it's found out that he did do it. Uh, he needs to serve his time. If it's, they find out that it wasn't him, that there is a trace of his stuff getting hacked, then we should not be you know, proving people on social media guilty as charged from a tweet. It, we're, in, we're in a nation that it, you're innocent until proven guilty. Uh, so I think as spectators of the, of the, of the sport and of this industry, we got to you know, step back, wait till all the facts come out, before we make judgments, yes, Valentine Dream is a tremendous athlete, has great potential, but we don't know who the 17-year-old girl is or is her 15-year-old friend. So they could be, as well, traumatized. So let's just sit back and let's see when the, see what comes from this, more news about this story, and then we'll make our judgments then. Because this time next week, we might be saying how they found out that the text messages were hacked, and they got evidence. And all the people who have been crushing Valentine Dream over the last week or so are now eating them, you know, shoving the sock down her throat because of the, what they did to Valentine. So I'm the type of person that likes to sit back, wait till all the information come out, then make the decision. Because no matter which way it is, if I was the WWE, if I was Vince McMahon, if I was Triple H, I keep Valentine Dream off the TV as of right now. So as best you can. And yeah. if he's innocent, that definitely absolutely sucks for him because even if he's proven true, there's still going to be that stain. I mean, sorry, if he's proven innocent, there's still going to be that stain. Of course, if he's proved guilty, forget the stain. You got yourself a whole pool of bad blood. Oh, yeah, like you'd be done. That would be it for yeah. him. Yeah, you'd be done. Mm. But let's move on to some better news, something that doesn't revolve uh, legalities and whatnot and overall creepy perviness. Let's talk about how the WWE Network subscriptions are up and the stocks are climbing a little bit. I mean, it's not like going crazy, like Roaring Twenties, you know, kind of stocks, but any time the stocks go up, there's a lot more money for WWE and it certainly helps. 
And this week it was reported by WWE that after the first quarter of this fiscal year, the subscriber count has gone up for the WWE Network. In the fourth quarter of 2019, the subscriber count was at 1.38 million with 70,000 free subscribers. Now the count is a 1.46 million paid with 640 free subscribers, which is a huge jump from 70,000. And a big reason why that went up is because WrestleMania just came through recently. And any every time they do WrestleMania, you're going to get more subscribers. That's what's happened every year since the WWE Network has debuted. So this led to the jump of the stock. And you know, Benny Mac has got to be happy to have some good news finally. You know, this week is so up and down. He's like, wait, what the hell is going on with Velveteen Dream? Oh, God damn it. Hey, our subscriptions are up. All right. <laughs> but, you know, the ones got to be a little bit concerned about how many of these new 600,000 subscribe, uh, free subscribers will stick around and actually pay the $9.99 a month. I know I pay mine. I've been paying mine since, like, 2015, 2016. But I would not expect even have to really stick around even though the wwe network is excellent that's just what the trend has always been but if they can at least keep two hundred thousand of those free subscribers into a paid subscription that's going to be a huge win for wwe as as james here did the math earlier that's an extra two million if those two hundred thousand hold on to their subscription and that's going to be massive for the company because they are hemorrhaging money right now so, I don't know. Do you think this is going to sustain? Do you think that uh, our hopes are a little too high for them keeping 200000 Well, maybe. But in this industry, and in any industry, especially if you're a sports-related industry, you, your main source of income is ticket sales, TV money, and merchandise. Those are usually your main three sales. And if you have secondary networks that broadcast your stuff, then yes, that will help too. Uh, but the WWE having this is a good sign. It doesn't equal out the massive $500 million that was lost to WrestleMania not being held. Um, but it's a sign of a sign of a positive direction that this thing, this the, the network and its uh, foundation that is the WWE are starting to you know, almost transition to a different type of format of how they, uh, you know, gain income and how they can, you know, grow their brand. And, of course, they're going to get money from TNT and not TNT. They're going to get their money from ABC. Not ABC. ABC. USA. There you USA, go. Fox. USA and Fox. Where I get ABC from? <laughs> is, that, is that old Saturday Night Main Event was on ABC? Uh, actually, I think, uh, no, that was on NBC. Tuesday Night Titans. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's because we're thinking of like the XFL, because ESPN was working with ABC, and they were showing some of the games on there. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, uh, I look at this, and the, out of the 640,000 that are free subscribers right now, I will say about about 15 to 20% of those will stay, and the rest of them will go away. Uh, so if that's 15% right there, you're still getting almost $2 million extra from the network than you did, that you weren't getting this time last year. Uh, so it's a positive in the right direction, but I know Vince, I know Triple H, and I know Stephanie and Shane, 
they rather be in 30,000-seat arenas and 100,000-seat stadiums hosting their big events. So they won't be losing 300 to $400 million. They will actually be gaining that. And if we did have that, we won't have these massive uh, cuts to roster sizes. But is the network good? Go try, people. If you don't have it, it's worth it. There's a lot of good content on there. A lot of funny content. It's just not just wrestling. There's a lot of great documentaries and a lot of sit-down interviews. My favorite shows are The Table of Three, 24, and Ride Along. Those are my three shows I like to listen to. Those are all either interviews, documentaries, and comedy. The Ride Alongs are pretty funny because they ride along with the superstars when they go to each city. And you get to see themselves, not as their character, which is pretty um, pretty interesting. And it makes you wonder, if you were a wrestler, how much traveling you had to do by yourself. It's not WWE doesn't pay for all your expenses. You got to go bring your ass to the next arena. So um, it's worth nine bucks. There's rumors of it going to twelve bucks here, and I know my buddy here doesn't want to do it. This is an outrage. Well, that twelve bucks plus that six thousand, some two hundred thousand people that may increase that money to about two. My math's gonna be way off. I don't want to do my math. Say two point one mil. It's not bad. So they're finding a way to get their money back, and they got to adapt like everyone else and every other sport industry is doing. They're adapting. So, And for the WWE, they actually have content that they can do, unlike other sporting leagues. All right. And with that, we are coming into the final segment of this SmackDown week. A little something that we call the Heels of the Week. Super original name, I know. We're very creative here. Uh, my pick for the heel of the week for SmackDown has got to be none other than King Baron Corbin. I felt that the match between Corbin and Drew Gulak this week was, for a spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match, was a solid showcasing of Baron Corbin's ability to work with so-called smaller guys. Because let's not forget, Drew Gulak did used to be in the um, in the cruiserweight division. Don't know why that flew out of my brain. But he used to be in the cruiserweight division. Never really got his push, even though I thought that he was great. I thought that his uh, his gimmick with the no-fly zone, when he'd go to the matches with that sign that said no-fly zone, he's like anti-athleticism, all about the wrestling skill. I thought that was fun as hell. But it never quite caught on, and it's taken him a long time to get to the point where he is now working with Daniel Bryan. And the reason why I think Corbin is so good at this, why he's my pick, is that he works so well with these guys. You can pretty much put him in the ring with almost anybody, and he'll be able to make something happen, and he'll be able to put that person over because of the natural ability that Corbin has to get so much heat. It's a perfect balance that doesn't tip over into that Xbox heat. He's hated by so many people. And the irony of it is that they are wrestling fans, but they don't seem to recognize what makes him such a great heel is the fact that he can get that kind of heat week in, week out. He doesn't have to try. He seems to piss off everybody. And that's what he's supposed to do. So it drives me nuts when I hear people just completely undercut him. And, you know, on Twitter recently, somebody was saying, well, you're cutting all these people. You should have fired him. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is one of the hottest freaking heels in the game. And he was able to make Drew McIntyre a sympathetic loser due to his opportunistic ability to work with Cesaro Nakamura, who snuck up on Drew Gulak and uh, Daniel Bryan. 
And he was able to add that little bit of sympathy for Drew Gulak, who I think has big things coming his way very soon. And once again, Corbin was able to do what he does best, is getting heat and putting others over. He's fantastic at it. He does it magnificently. And he gets this week's nomination for Heel of the Week from me. Well, mine is what the title of the show is. Mine, Hill of the Week, goes to the King of Kings, Triple H, the real king, not King Baron Corbin. The reason why I have Triple H as the King of Kings and the Heel of the Week is because this is his show, 25th anniversary, and because of his dedication to the business, he's also the current C- – he's not the COO. He got demoted to something else. Um, Undeservedly. He, uh, he is basically in control of NXT. So he can be a heelist type of individual when he does show up in the ring. But when you are a cerebral assassin and you're also given nicknames as the King of Kings, you don't do that when you're a babyface. You do that when you're a heel. If you want to see the true identity of what Triple H was, go look back at a lot of pay-per-views he was in. 2001 Backlash, 2002 Judgment Day, 2003 Bad Blood. I think the other one I watched the other day was 2009 SummerSlam. Those matches, Triple H showed you why he was a good heel. And then that will make you appreciate him now for the younger generation that just knows him as, you know, Triple H that, you know, is always in a suit. Uh, so even though he didn't wrestle, and even though the gimmick was kind of, you know, eh, so, 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 with Ric Flair and with Shawn Michaels and, uh, and uh, I almost said Jimmy Smith. He's a receiver that played for the Jaguars. That's not Jimmy Smith? Yes. Um, Vince McMahon, where the hell do I get Jimmy Smith from? I have no idea. That's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I gave it the heel of the week, Triple H, this week because of that, 25 years. 25 years in the business, no matter what business you're in, is a long time. And the guy still loves what he's doing. The guy's helped keep good products on the on the TV. Yes, he's made some tough decisions of letting good people. Um, the One of the main guys over at AEW has a grudge against the Triple H. I'm not going to mention the guy on AEW. You should know who it is. Uh, he is, let's just say, he is a third-generation superstar. Um, but Triple H is the heel of the week because sometimes your childhood enemy deserves to get a reward when you get older and recognize his accomplishments. So, Triple H, congratulations. You are this week's heel of the week. And with that said, guys, this brings an end to the show. We thank you for listening. Make sure to follow PW Newsroom if you want all of your up-to-date wrestling news. Doesn't matter if it's just WWE, TNA, or should I say Impact Wrestling, New Japan, NXT. We got it all there. Make sure if you want to get some more old-school XFL gear and maybe the newer XFL gear in the near future, make sure to check out 503 Sports. And we thank them once again for helping sponsor us. Check out our YouTube channel, Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. Not that hard to find us on there. And if you prefer this show in a podcast format, go on to Anchor. We got you covered on there. And if you want to throw us a couple of bucks, if you can spare it, you can support us on Anchor as well. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you very soon for our recap of Monday Night Raw. And until then, we'll catch you later. This is a copyright disclaimer. 
We do not own or have any affiliation with the WWE. This is just a fan-made show, and all musical credit for the intro go to Dance with the Dead. Please go support Dance with the Dead and the WWE.